This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Do you want to you want to bring us in? Hey everybody, welcome into Fan to Fan Detroit, a Detroit sports show by Detroit sports fans for Detroit sports fans. I'm your host Andrew Norris with me Double P producer Parker as always. Parker, what is going on? Hello Andrew, I'm so excited to be here on a podcast exclusive feed now. We are podcast only, only podcast, no video. So, so where uh, can where can people find us? Well, well, wherever you're listening to us now is great. That's great. You're doing great. Uh, we appreciate where you are right now, but otherwise, like any podcast app, we're on all of them. I double checked. It's because uh, we're I famous. Double checked before. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> A little throwback <laughs> intro. How'd you like the throwback intro? Oh, that that I like the throwback intro. I like it. You know, we're intro. setting a, we're restarting the culture of reset. the show. Soft yeah. reset. Our second uh, soft reset ever. Yeah, we've had actually. I mean, we've, <laughs> I actually think this might be the third where we like changed. Like, if you include changing our time slot and and all that stuff, but yeah, well. we are on. We are on the third LeBron uh, of the show, which of course is the best LeBron. Um, so we're good. We're 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 feeling good to be in the third LeBron zone. Third LeBron. Yep. This is where we really start gaining confidence in the fourth quarter, knowing we're the best player in the world. Um, but what we're going to talk about today, pretty much just like last week, we talked March Madness first round and we are going into the sweet 16. We are getting ready. We're buckling up. We are into the, the depths of March Madness. Uh, so we're going to be going over all eight games, talking about what we've seen so far. And then at the end of the show, bring it back for a little bit more mainstream Detroit, talking about some Detroit Lions offseason. Yeah. Um, where should we start with the tournament? Should we just start with... Every single year, there is like not maybe not as many as this, but close to this amount of upsets. And every single year, we all still sit there and go, "Holy shit! I can't believe there's this many upsets." I think we get an excuse because it's been two years since we've seen a tournament. But yeah, it's just been so good. That's where I want to start. That's the magic. I'm not even saying that's so good this year. Yeah, I'm not saying that's a bad thing that we react like that. I'm saying that's the beauty of March Madness is. Everybody, it doesn't matter if you are a 60-year-old who has never watched a, a day of sports in your life. The second you fill out that bracket, whether you do a chaos bracket or you are doing four hours of study work before, whatever it may be, when you have that bracket filled out, it makes every game worth something. It's like you have a $100 bet on every single game. Wow, that's that's very uh, sports poetic. You have a hundred dollars on every game in this my in the spirit of your mind of your soul, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean it's true. Like it's just a good it's just a good time. We haven't had we haven't had anything like this in our lives in a long time, and I think that's also why it feels like doubly good, and why everybody kind of was picking chalk, and now is like kind of surprised when not chalk happens. Uh, I of course like tried to lean into like the craziness, and I actually didn't lean in hard enough. I think. Uh, I think I, I kind of 
tried to split the baby a little bit and I didn't choose enough chaos. And that's why my bracket is doing worse than yours. Is how is your bracket doing at this point? I'm in the 92nd percentile. Um, and let me, let me tell you how this goes every year. So I am one who likes to pick my upsets very firm with it. I have like a set amount. It's pretty much based on seating more so than the actual team, the teams that you, there's something about March madness. I think it every time before there's a big upset, I feel like there's always little whispers of, I don't know, man, I feel like this team could do it. I don't know. And then it just like, you always get a feeling that it's going to happen. So when I do my bracket the way I do it with picking a large amount of upsets, because I know there's going to be, it means I'm either going to be absolutely on fucking fire or I'm going to be trash. And this year, like, it pretty much goes back and forth. I've been absolutely on fire. What I tell you about Syracuse, I told you they were going to the Sweet 16. What I tell you about USC, I told you Evan Mobley was a beast. What I tell you about the winner of the UCLA Michigan State game, I told you they were going to the Sweet 16. Did I get lucky as hell? Sure. But that's not that's not what we're here for. We're not talking about how I got lucky. We're talking about how I was right. And you have been pretty right. You've definitely been pretty right. Uh, yeah. You know, you're talking about like like upsets where you hear the whisperings. And I feel like one of the upsets that for some reason everybody had, and I, I never understand why this happens, is Ohio over Virginia. Everybody was picking that as an upset. Nobody knew why. When, yeah. It's weird when that just happens when collectively we manifest an upset as humanity like that. That's weird. I think that's very strange. And, and a tournament exclusive thing. I think present day. So obviously we've seen more upsets over the last decade than we did in the previous history of March Madness before that, like consistently on average, more upsets. And I think a big reason for that is social media. You, you're a 19, 20 year old kid going on Twitter and all you see is, oh, Ohio's going to win and you're playing for Virginia, right? Virginia. Yeah. And I think it gets in their head a little bit. I think once they hear it, the second Ohio you know, takes a six point lead, they're sitting there going, oh shit, everybody was right. Uh, and I think it affects them. And um, I, I've never really thought about that before, but that it, it was actually that game exactly that made me think about that. It's got to be something with social media, with being in your own head, with being scared of an upset that causes this. This is as good a theory as any, I guess. Um, do you want to talk about the games coming up? Let's talk about the games coming up. We're going to start in the West region. So we're recording this on Wednesday. What what time is it? Wednesday, Wednesday at eight forty-five. So like it'll come out hopefully by by Thursday morning. So hopefully you're listening to this on Thursday. So it's all Sweet Sixteen games. That's where we're at. We're locked in. You got Thursday. You got Thursday and Friday. You got Thursday and Friday to listen to it, and before okay. you know the games start getting played. Good. Um, but this one is going to be, in my opinion. The best team I've seen in college basketball in a long time, the Gonzaga Bulldogs versus Creighton. Yeah. Uh, Creighton has looked good. I think Creighton surprised some people. I had Ohio beating them, but, but with the, you know, they got out of the first round, then they took care of a 13 seed who won in the round of 64, which is a big deal because those teams start feeling themselves. Uh, but it's not going to matter. It's just not. This Gonzaga team is way, way too good. Corey Kispert, like the third or fourth best player on that team, is 19 points a game this season. Yeah. He's he's not he's not the star. You got Drew Timmy. You got Jalen Suggs. Those are the guys, right? Suggs is going to be a lottery pick. Timmy is going to be a first-round pick, probably late because I don't think it's going to translate well to the NBA. 
But you got those guys, and I think they're just going to absolutely crush Creighton, just like they're probably going to do to every other team in this tournament. I agree with you that Gonzaga looked like the best team in the tournament so far. I don't know if I think it's particularly close with anybody else that I've seen. Uh, Michigan's looked like pretty good, but USC I think looks really good too. Um, but yeah, this the they're very everything is very evenly distributed on Gonzaga too. I feel like there's a lot of harmony there, which is impressive because they've got you know the one and done guy, the elite college player, and then the like third year, the third guy who's a senior, like, and they all work really well together and they all, there's no selfishness when I watch them play. I'm really impressed by that team. Uh, so I agree with you. Go Gonzaga. I'm just, I'm sick of them though. I it's, it's <laughs> like earlier this decade, I got sick of Wisconsin because, and they still do it, but I've just gotten used to it because every team they run out there looks like they went to 10 farms across the state of Wisconsin and picked up a couple of LeBron, LeBron James and b- brought him onto the team. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I got con- I'm country strong. I can do shit. And it doesn't make sense. And Gonzaga is like the same thing. They got Jalen Suggs to save him a little bit there um, with a little bit of style, a little bit of flash, a little bit of excitement. But I hate these Gonzaga teams, man. I Are you can't talking about uh, Wisconsin football. No, like I'm talking about Wisconsin linemen. basketball. Like, like imagine basically what Wisconsin basketball has been for the last decade is just 15 shittier Sam Deckers. Like that is, <laughs> that's the whole program. And it's always bugged me because they're always good, at least kind of. Yeah. Um, but I can't, at a certain point, you look at a team and you go, that's the best team in the country. That's the best team I've seen since Carl Anthony Towns, Kentucky team. They didn't win a title, but that's, I mean, that's one of the best college basketball teams ever. Speaking of Wisconsin, I believe that was who beat that team. Um so yeah, anyways, I think I think their Elite Eight matchup is going to be really interesting because the next game, six-seeded USC versus seven-seeded Oregon. Uh, both teams coming away with a huge upset. USC making it look easy yeah. against Kansas. 85-51, I think it was like 10 and 15 from Evan Mobley, five assists. Uh, not shooting a whole ton, but he didn't have to, obviously. Uh, and Oregon doing the same thing, just beating down Iowa. Uh, neither of those games were really ever in question second half on. Um, but best player on the court wins basketball games. Give me USC. I'm going to I'm going to agree with you again. Uh, I think that this is that there are a lot of underseeded teams potentially this year. Uh, I think uh, USC is one of them. I think we know we, we know Loyola is one of them. Uh, and I think that. Ohio ended up being one of them too. Uh, so, but USC is awesome and Mobley's cool and we'll, we'll be on Pistons watch with him for some time after this tournament. But yeah, I'm yep. really excited to see how um, Gonzaga USC is a game. I'm really excited to watch. I really yeah, and we can talk about that. it too. Cause we're not going to have another show before that. So basically how I think that's going to shake down is if Evan Mobley is as good as everybody says, and I think he is, they keep that game within 10 points. I don't think they win. But okay. they keep it within 10 points because realistically, Gonzaga should blow them out. Um, yeah. The depth that, that Gonzaga has just destroys anything USC has. And USC's good, but they're not that level. Yeah. Um, and Evan Mobley is going to have the hardest matchup with Drew Timmy that he's had all year, that any yes. big man has had all year. That's who Drew Timmy is. He's a force. He is, he's a wrecker. He gets in there and just gets shit done, does the dirty work. Um, I still think Gonzaga is going to beat USC in the Elite Eight. Uh, 
But I think it's a huge game for Evan Mobley, and I think it could affect his draft stock. If he goes out there and goes like 8-9 and nine on like 4 of 11 shooting, all of a sudden everybody's looking around going, oh, he had a you know an NBA-sized physical big man, and he couldn't do anything against him. I I love I love that I love all of that. Uh, I haven't personally kind of seen it with Mobley. I mean, because he's being he's being projected as the number two pick, and there are a lot of really good guys in this draft. And I haven't seen anything that makes me think that he's like elite like that. So this will be a great opportunity for me to see that. Hopefully, yeah, he hasn't shown it in the tournament. Honestly, I mean, he's been yeah. good, but he hasn't been. I like in the age of dying centers he hasn't been i'm the number 2 pick in this draft good regular season sure but not not in, it's on the tourney and part of it is is that there's so many guys who are like super modern that you want you know so if i'm going to go out of my way to pick a guy like that it better be because he changes the game for me i mean realistically jalen suggs it, after the off season starts and the draft process goes through we could be watching a guy who goes number two in Evan Mobley or a guy who could go number two in Jalen Suggs. Um, I mean, I think he's more likely to go four or five, but I think once you get him in those gyms, those open gyms, shooting open jumpers and just kind of doing his thing, people are going to start looking a little bit closer as, hey, maybe this is the second guy, best guy in the draft this year. I think that'll happen to Kaminga, but we know that. We know that I think. Well, yeah, as soon as he gets his three-point shooting percentage over 30% in the G League, we can talk about it. Next game, uh, the 11-seeded play-in winning UCLA versus two-seed Alabama. And you want to know what? I'm riding the train. Give me UCLA in this game. Do I know why? <laughs> nah, not really. Um, but I know Alabama is not as good as their two-seed shows. And I know UCLA is better than their 11-seed shows. Um, now, have they had... Maybe the easiest run through the tournament so far, B- BYU and Abilene Christian or whatever the hell and they were And MSU, called. and they beat Michigan State. Yeah, but Michigan State really bad this year as much as I was trying to get ahead of the game in the Boy, picking Boy, talk process. about something we were right. We were all over. Michigan State, the most cursed team in, in college basketball this year. Did you watch that game? It yeah, was it, like where they had like, it, it was done. They had it wrapped up, it felt like, and then all of a sudden you see They lost that like, game. Ah. They, lost, they lost that game mentally. Thanks, like, Dan Gilbert. Yeah, yeah. Write Andrew's boss. Uh, write Andrew's boss an email. Tell him that Andrew said that he was doing a bad job. And uh, yeah, do that. Just do that. All right, we're not gonna do it to you this week, guys. We're not gonna make you wait till the end for Michigan. Uh, we're gonna talk about him now because I, you know, I want to. We're uh, gonna sandwich it in the middle, which is definitely smart. Yes, exactly. One seed Michigan versus four seed Florida State. The Isaiah Livers lists Michigan Wolverines who have been taking care of business, but I'm not sure if they've been taking care of business to the level in which they could. Uh, the game against LSU, I never want to see. I know that LSU team has a good offense. I don't want to see any team in the country uh, scoring that many points, having, especially in the first half, 50-plus percent from the field. Uh, is it going to matter in the Sweet 16? No. Michigan's got... Uh, one hell of an easy run to the final four. Um, pretty much, I don't see anybody who's going to stop them. The only teams with a chance right now are going to be uh, UCLA, Alabama, or Florida State. You taking any of those teams over Michigan? Uh, no, I don't know a lot about Florida State, unfortunately. Uh, 
Their leading scorer is a guard who scores 12 points a game on 44% from the field. Yeah, that doesn't scare me. Is there still no Isaiah Livers for Michigan? In no Isaiah game? Livers. I don't think it'll. I don't think he's going to play in the tournament. Okay. Uh, yeah. So hopefully it'll be. I mean, they're they're the last bastion of the Big Ten here from this really really disappointing Which is insane. Big Ten tournament. Now is probably the moment where we should talk about that. What what the fuck we got? I got fried on that. I got fried on that big time. Yeah, we both had the same theory there. Pick the Big Ten. They're probably underseeded one or two seeds at least because of the conference they played in. And they just came in and shit the bed, and now Michigan's carrying the weight of it on their shoulders. Yeah, just a big dookie in the bed. Like, So that's tough. The Pac-12, uh, though. Pac-12 said, hey, everybody, we're for real. Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess. Big thing about Michigan-Florida State. Here's, what's, here's why there's, in my opinion, no chance Florida State wins. They have nobody to match up with Hunter Dickinson. Yeah, Their leading got- rebounder is six foot eight. Hunter Dickinson is going to stick his hand into that guy's forehead and just tell him to get the hell away. It's it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be an ugly game. I bet you this is like a 66-52 game, right? Not a whole ton of points, um, but Florida State's just not going to be able to get anything going against Michigan. Uh, Michigan's not going to turn the ball over a ton, and they're going to win the rebounding battle. And if we know anything, those two are huge, massive ingredients in success in the March Madness tournament. Yeah, that's a thing that I've really noticed that I always forget is that like college basketball is like eight to ten years behind NBA basketball, it feels like. If you have like a dominant big man, that's a huge that matters so much in college. They just basketball. don't make enough of those guys. Yeah. I don't know if it's that college basketball is behind. They just don't make enough seven foot guys who can do what Hunter Dickinson does. I've seen uh, him projected as high as eight on some draft boards. Yeah, hell no. Hell yeah, no. Okay. That's what God, I thought. I, I wanted to check in with that. I need to see him a lot lower on those boards selfishly so he can stay another year and play with the number one recruiting class in the country. That's what mm. I want to see. Um, All right, go Michigan. We're, I'm definitely rooting for him. I'm definitely Go Michigan. They're beating UCLA or Alabama too. Michigan in the final four. Book it. I love watching Mick Cronin coach college basketball. I forgot that too. He is hilarious. He is so funny to watch. Why? Like, what? What does he do that <laughs> does that? Is it just because he's like he, bald and skinny and funny looking, or he is like gonna have a? Have you never what? Have you never seen this before? Mick Cronin. Just, I mean, like, he just kind of like loses his mind. Yeah, he's like, yeah. He's like if Stan Van Gundy was a thumb. He's like he's like at eleven the whole game, and it's like like I there's just this shot that they kept showing of him doing like like well I forgot we're on a podcast form now, but he's like holding his arm out like like trying to like like making a face at him like hit him like put some meat on him, and he's just a psychopath. He's just insane, uh, and I guess so is his father. But I I really enjoy I really enjoyed watching UCLA because of that. Little off subject here, but if you want a coach that you would die for, and he is insane, he is literally a crazy person. I don't even know he's that good of a coach, but I know I would die for him if I played for him. Watch Last Chance U basketball, Coach John Mosley. Uh, I just, I just want to say this real quick. It's been something I've been thinking about for a couple of days. Last Chance U football was two, at least the first one. I don't know about the second one. The first one. Racist old white dude who really wanted to win junior college games. So he recruited a bunch of black kids who have had trouble in their life and just 
basically said, you're going to play and win me football games, and I'm going to pretend like I'm making you a better man. Coach Sean Mosley is there for one thing, and that is making you a better man and doing the whole thing. Everybody go watch Last Chance U Basketball. It's so much better than the football one. Okay, let's move on. I'm sorry. If you, uh, if you, if you, search, if you YouTube search Mick Cronin, the fourth thing that comes up after Mick Cronin is ejected. Like he is so funny to me. So it's worth watching and I'm rooting for UCLA. I guess I'm going a little chaos bracket here just because I, I just want to see what happens when the stakes get even higher for Mick Cronin. So we're both picking Michigan UCLA in the elite eight. Yeah. We've like agreed on all four on all of these so far, which is not what I had thought would happen. We're either going to do really good or really bad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next game down to the South region. We have, in my opinion, the second best team in the country right now. One seed Baylor against five seed. The March Madness vets this decade, Villanova. Um, I'm going Baylor. I just can't pick against them. They're just too good right now. Um, nobody really like stands a chance against them when they play them. The Wisconsin game was only a 13-point game, but if you watch that, it was it was much worse than that. Baylor just owned them the whole time. It was like a big brother and a little brother playing in the driveway. Wisconsin kept thinking they'd come back, and anytime they cut that lead down to eight, Baylor was like, oh, shit, okay, we'll play for two minutes, and they'd put it back up to 14. Um, so I'm going Baylor. I'm going Baylor easy. Um, I don't know who's going to stop Baylor outside of Gonzaga and maybe Michigan. I don't know if anybody left Ken. Uh, I'm going to say that the best coach in college basketball, Jay Wright, might be able to cook something up for him. Uh, I You have a weird look on your face. What? I just don't think they're talented enough this year. I think they are a five seed because of Jay Wright. I don't think they're a five seed because they're good enough this year. And I, I think, think they've, they've hit, been really solid. I think they've hit their ceiling. They've had an easy run to get here, but I, there something weird has to happen. Something not chalk has to happen. And I feel like I've, well, I guess we both picked UCLA, but generally speaking, we've kind of gone chalk. So I'm going to say that like that Villanova is, they're just a team that doesn't lose in the tournament. And that's Mind you, this, what they are. This is when chalk happens, right? We're mm -hmm. getting into the part of the tournament where a lot more chalk happens. You might have one 10 seed we'll or lower sneak into the Elite Eight, but normally not anything more than that. Yeah, um, this is my – I mean, they're five seed. Like, they're a really good team. And I just think that, like, rankings in this tournament more than others are really wild. I don't think that we really have any idea. So – yeah, I think I, that's fair. With the COVID season, everybody played. Yeah. You know, some teams played 19 games, some teams played 28. So I get that. Yeah. Uh, next up on the list, and this is going to be the fun one: three seeded Arkansas versus 15 seed Oral Roberts. Only the second ever 15 seed outside of Florida Gulf Coast University uh, to make it to the Sweet 16. Will they be the first 15 seed to make it to the Elite Eight? No, this Arkansas team is really good. Uh, Arkansas Texas Tech was amazing. Like it was such a good game, and everybody was shooting and playing so hard. I believe in this Arkansas team. I think they can make the Final Four. I think they're really good. You know who is better than Arkansas? Arkansas Junior. Ohio State. Ohio State was better than Arkansas, and Oral Roberts took them out. I want to do it. I really want to do it. Tell me not to. Don't I mean I'm doing it. Give me Oral Roberts. Put him in the Elite Eight. The first 15 seat ever in the Elite Eight. I don't care. I don't care. They're doing it. It's it's the Cinderella story we all need. We need a big one this Cinderella year. Story. We need the Cinderella story of all Cinderella stories this year. We deserve it. 
Uh, I it, going back to like maybe maybe the Big Ten was in some situations a little overseeded. Uh, Ohio State probably probably could have been one of those teams if we're talking about it. I really believe in this Arkansas team. I thought that they whooped Colgate's ass and they were really really good against Texas Tech. And I, I that's just that's my final four pick. I just like I just like what I've seen. That's it. That's all I know about college. Basketball. So you think they're going to beat Baylor? Uh, I think they'll beat Villanova. <sighs> oh shit, that's fucked up, dude. I forgot about that. Oh man, I he's laying waste. That. He's laying waste to the bracket. About that. It's chaos. It's pure chaos. Oh man. Uh, and on to the final region, the Midwest region. Maybe the game I give the least shits about because I didn't want either of these teams to be here. Eight seed Loyola Chicago and old ass sister Jean take on twelve seed Oregon State, um, or as the people in Oregon call it, Oregon. Uh, who you got? Uh, I think Loyola is really good, actually. I mean, that Illinois team was no joke. Like, maybe they shouldn't have been a one seed. We can no, they should have been a one seed. That. Whatever. That Oregon team is really, really good, and that Georgia Tech team wasn't bad either. Like both those games, they have like Loyola has this weird this their like center is this like weird looking doofy guy who who is like cut straight from the Nikola Jokic like role of okay when i played when i played basketball in middle school i played basketball with this kid while he was on my team whose name was Saleh Yassin and Saleh didn't really know how to play basketball but like wanted to play sports but like gave like was so bad and cared so little and got made fun of so much that sometimes Saleh would like fall on the floor like trying to get a ball and then you throw it from the floor you would shoot from the floor facing the other way like on purpose and he would just do dim dumb shit like that and this guy is like what if what if Saleh was good at basketball what if he was six nine he's like volleyball bump setting the ball it's amazing I love him I I love it and I I mean I'm picking Loyola it's uh I don't want to the main reason I don't want to, I hate when people ask for God's favor in a sporting event. It really bugs me. Like it, well, it's there's cheating. there's few things that just just cut me wide open. Like I hate it. I hate it. It's so to me, it is like the most self centered bullshit ever. And I know what she's a hundred, but <laughs> what do you think? What do you think is cheating more? Asking for God's help or steroids? Ster- God. God? Are you God. sure? Yeah, I'm I don't think asking. I don't. Because I don't care about steroids. Take them. <laughs> like, for real. I don't, it's, you're, you're an entertainer. It makes it more entertaining. Take your steroids. I don't care. Uh, I think it's steroids. Uh, I think that we should move on, though, from this. Okay, don't take <laughs> WWE level steroids. That's, like, where the line's at. Okay. What? Wait. Okay, well, those no, guys no, die. Those guys die. Those guys die from it. What if Vince so McMahon your... was just spoon feeding them steroids in the '90s, and then all of a sudden, Ultimate Warrior's heart explodes. Like that's not a coincidence. So there is a line, and it's the amount of steroids you take. Just you know, if they made it legal, it's kind of like decriminalizing drugs, right? If you make it legal, you can get people the help they need. If you make steroids legal, you can make sure they're taking them the right way where their heart doesn't explode when they're 55 the day after they get inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Okay. That's where's my that's tell me how the logic is wrong though. Tell me where the it's logic is. Interesting. Goes. No, that's this. It's a, it's an interesting idea. I, we we're like already thirty minutes in, so we got to keep moving. But that's <laughs> an interesting right. idea. That's all I'm going to say about it. 
Uh, and the final game in the Sweet 16, Syracuse versus Houston, number two seed Houston, 11 seed Syracuse. I picked Houston in my bracket. I don't care. I'm riding the Syracuse bandwagon. I believe in them. Go Orange. Go Buddy Bayheim, the most prototypical college player. I've. Oh, my God. It's so annoying. He's like, if you took J.J. Redick and put him on Syracuse, uh, just just literally a clone. Um, Buddy Bayheim <laughs> and the Syracuse Orange are going to the Elite Eight. And by the way, that probably means they're going to the Final Four because the winner of this game ain't losing to Loyola. I, I agree with you on that. I think Houston's been good. That Houston Rutgers game, like talk about another just like really awesome basketball game. Uh, I like, so I guess where I'm at right now is now I'm just picking teams that have demonstrated the ability to kind of gut out some of these close games. And that's what I'm writing now. And I know Syracuse just beat West Virginia, but I just think the talent level on, on Houston is so much higher. I like like the way that you see Villanova versus Baylor is the way that I see Houston versus uh, Syracuse. The talent disparity is just probably too wide. I think you got to have that guy though, right? I think you got to have the guy who can get hot. I don't see that guy on Villanova. I think that's what Buddy Beheim is. He's he's a March like ba- like he was built for March. Dad, one of the most successful college head coaches of all time. Uh, grew up in this environment, knows the pressure. I mean, sure, he maybe hadn't been in it, but when your dad is in it, I'm almost certain you feel a lot of that same pressure. He's used to it. Uh, and I think that's a guy who can snap and go for 30, 35 in a game to get them to the Elite Eight or the Final Four. Um, but I, I do see where you're coming from. I, it, that's why they call it an upset. Mm. Is Buddy Beheim like a fun second-round pick for your G League team? Yeah, I mean, anybody who can shoot that well can has a chance to make it in the NBA. Anybody who can shoot that well, period. It's that simple. I mean, look at Duncan Robinson. That guy's going to get like $80 million. <laughs> like, yeah. When he was at Michigan, uh, I've said this on the show before. When he was at Michigan, if you would have told me he would have made a G League roster, I would have called you an idiot. Yeah, for sure. Now he's going he's gonna to get four for 80 or something like that coming up here. He's like, months. you know how in... <laughs> You know how in animes, like, sometimes people won't power up until they're in the moment fighting? It feels like that happened to Duncan Robinson in his last NCAA tournament. Like, yeah. in the middle of the fight, all of a sudden, he was like, I'm so much stronger all of a sudden. And then that translated into an NBA career. He's, and that's wild. That's crazy. He's learning as he fights, as Vegeta would say. Mm. Um, Hang on. Before we move off the tournament, I have one thing that I really need to complain about because I forgot okay. to do it when we were doing our preview show. Okay. Okay. NCAA okay. tournament okay. website. When you, I'm trying to like, I'm looking at their bracket because their website's nice. It's the NCAA tournament site. And I'm trying to like get some stats in front of me to like remember who Syracuse's second best player is because I just don't have that information at the top, at the tip of my fingers. And I'm going through their roster on their website. I'm going to show this to you, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk it out here. Um, Look at the way that they have their stats set up. First of all, everybody is in alphabetical order. Which points? Is, uh, hey man, that's a good question. Where they don't have points, points per game listed. They don't have points per game listed. Block the website. Block it. Turn it off. It is minutes, know. field goal percentage, three point percentage, rebounds, assist. Po- uh, what is this PF? Personal fouls. Oh my. Okay. <laughs> Free throws. They're both rebound stats, steals, and blocks. No points per game. No way to like sort anything. That should be against the law. That we should, should have. Be against we should. The law. We should report this to somebody. NCAA tournament website. Do better. Do better. Be That's better. Start do better of the week. Do better um, of the week. Okay. 
Uh, Lions football. Some stuff. Yeah, I'm really excited things. to talk about this. Some stuff and things about them. Uh, then you start, because I don't know where to start at. So we're going to – well, we have uh, the Sports Illustrated Lions blog has a nice little article that we're going to use to kind of talk about the off-season acquisitions the Lions have made so far. And then about five hours – so earlier today, I guess, it was announced that the Lions are going to restructure Jared Goff's contract. And that's kind of what we're about to – that's what we're going to talk about. So how about this? Let's talk about uh, Jared Goff's contract first. Uh, it, it saves us about 15 million on the cap this year, but basically locks us into Jared Goff for two years. And we're also not going to really be able to spend that money. Uh, cause that money is going to go to draft picks and then for throughout the season signing. So it's not like it's 15 million. We can go spend on a guy on a three-year deal. Um, so it, I mean, it, it does help. Signing three-year it, deals. Yeah. I mean, it does help cause you get to sign your, your draft picks and make sure those guys are locked in. But uh, it's not as good. It's not as good of a fifteen million dollars. It sounds like. And then, like you said, you not only have to have Jared Goff all this year. Now you have to have him all next year because you're not yeah. taking twenty million dollars in dead cap. You're just not doing it. Not again. We have thirty-four million in dead cap this year, which is a lot, and a lot of it's Stafford. But still, uh, yeah. So I think we are probably locked into Jared Goff for two years, no matter what. In what role he'll play in that time is I think what's probably more up for discussion. Uh, First year, shoe and starter every game is healthy. Second year, I think that's where a discussion starts. If we draft a quarterback this year, then you start that discussion right away in the second year, Um, unless he's just awful like he was this season in the first year. But um, you pretty much aren't really going to start that discussion, I would think, until the 2022 season. Uh, when you can dig a little bit deeper, see if you actually have something. Maybe it just wasn't working out because it's not like we haven't seen the flashes from Jared Goff. Sure, he's been to the big game. Like the guy's got talent, um, but is it enough talent when you don't have Todd Gurley and Robert Woods? And so this Cooper this Cup? leaves us with twenty eight million dollars in cap if you include that flat fifteen, and we only have seven draft picks, I think. Six? No, six because of Michael Brockers' deal. Uh, and so... No, because that seventh round, I think, is like 2026 or something. Oh, okay. So maybe we have seven. We have six or seven picks in the draft this year. Uh, that's going to cost us $28 million. Uh, I mean, the draft picks, I think, probably will cost us 16 Okay, I that mean, makes the, first sense. Round, the first round pick, I think, is eight or nine. So we could go out and get do another one of these. Everybody's doing one year deals this year. Yeah, you're not done. I mean, you're not out, but you're not. It's not 15. I'm saying it's not 15 million where you can go get a 15 million a year guy. Right, for sure. We might be able to like pick up like two, a, three a corner, million year corner, guys. Yeah. yeah, a corner on a one year five million dollar deal or something like that. I don't know. Uh, it actually feels like we have a pretty most of the roster filled out, uh, and it'll just be kind of the draft day stuff. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what we've added to the roster. I mean, there's uh, really only f- four worth mentioning. Um, yeah. So let's, we'll breeze through. We have, we, we got Tim Boyle, which is, I guess, just like Tim Packers Tim fans Boyle. are going to hate us even more. So that's good. They love that guy. So two, two Packers players, which is interesting. Yeah, uh, they love Boyle. Tim Boyle and Packland. That's weird. Oh, it's I like, mean, I mean, do you remember when Kellen Moore was our backup quarterback and people wanted to start him over Stafford? Like, backup quarterbacks, people love because every time your starter makes a mistake, they go, oh, you wouldn't do that. 
Yeah, I mean, we didn't. Not, love that's probably Chase not Daniel. how it worked. And yeah, but we didn't hate Chase Daniel. If Chase Daniel was twenty three, we the the Stafford haters would have been obsessed with that guy. They wanted Jake Rudock to uh, start over Stafford, man. Yeah. Like, I don't know, dude. Stafford haters are weird. I, Stafford haters. There's a lot of like, well, we got Jared Goff that I've been hearing from people, and I really would like to exercise a lot of caution with what your expectations are for Jared Goff this year, because he doesn't have nearly the amount of weapons, uh, doesn't have nearly the defense. But we're it's probably it's probably it's probably a discussion for a later day. So Randy Bullock, they signed a kicker to replace Matt Pritter. Gone cool. by week eight. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Josh Hill, they signed Josh Hill uh, to be like the second tight end, which is fine. Uh, we Well, I guess we'll have to see how a tight end turned head coach runs tight ends because if he wants to go heavy tight ends, this is not a good enough number two. And they better not be taking uh, the fuck's his name. Kyle Pitts? Tr- yeah, Kyle Pitts. Although There's he did no just run a 4 4 1. Holy shit, really? Yeah. I mean, that guy's a receiver. Like, I, oh, I, yeah, I he's for sure. Whatever. Uh, Brashad Perriman is the fifth one on this list. And I'm very intri- – I didn't know – when did this happen? I didn't see this happen. Uh, I found out about this like two days ago. Yeah, it was pretty recent. Okay. So I, I just like – it probably happened in the morning. Like I get that where you gotta, like wake up and there's like s- – 10 NFL players and I'm like half asleep, like yeah. missing stuff. Um, oh, yeah. di- very different, very different kinds of receivers that we've taken compared to what we've had pretty much exclusively like speed heavy guys. Uh, Rashad Perriman was like a four, two, nine 40 in the combine or something like that. Uh, that's pretty wild. So compare that to like Kenny Galladay, who's, like a guy who you throw it to in tight windows. I think the offense is, is going to well, be I, I am all with that. I'm more of a yak yards after catch guy myself than a tight mm-hmm. window guy because tight window throws, you want to know what those are? Those are 11 yards and down. A yak guy can turn an 11 yard play into an 80 yard touchdown and that wins you football games. So do you like this? Do you think Rashad Perriman's going to be like yeah, a difference sure. maker this year? No, nobody's going to be a difference maker. Uh, he <laughs> might be okay. Uh, he might have 30 grabs and uh, two or three what? really long touchdowns. 30 grabs? Yeah, maybe 40. There's going to be – whoa, okay. I, I see I see both him and Williams, who we'll get to, uh, getting like 60 grabs apiece, 70 grabs apiece this year, right? How? Who else? I mean, TJ Hawkinson's going to have a bunch, but I just, just want to put ball. this out there. I just want to put this out there. Somebody who catches a lot of passes, Danny Amendola, yeah? Yeah. The second highest season he's had as far as receptions is 65. 60 is a lot more than it sounds. Okay. That's fine. You know, getting to 60, that's almost five grabs a game. Four okay. grabs a game. That's true. No, you're right. So, five. Uh, next. No, four. It's four. four 16, 32, 48, 64. 16 games. 16, 32, 48. Oh, yeah. 64. I was counting as 12. Yeah. I, yeah I, I, okay. I don't know. Well, I was doing that. Uh, <laughs> Charles Harris. Very fun. Love very it. Pistons pick. Love uh, it. Yes. <laughs> he either works and is awesome or he doesn't and you cut him. And I, if we cut him, who cares? Plays a role where we definitely need bodies. So at worst, he'll be a rotation guy, which is fine. 
Yeah, and like anytime a first round pick doesn't work out, people normally say it's like an attitude problem. But as far as I have heard, it's not like that. It's, he's not getting in trouble. He just hasn't performed. Uh, and maybe it's just taking him a little while to break out of the shell. So I'm not saying he's going to be a 14 sack guy ever turn into w- what you were hoping to get in the first round. But you never, that guy could be Romeo Okora, have a couple of two out of three good years, seven, eight sacks, something like that. That's entirely sure. possible for a guy this young who has that much potential. Always gamble on upside. It doesn't make sense not to. It's not like our ends are like totally like fucking incredible. So, right. Tyrell Williams. Good signing. You want to talk about somebody who could get 60 grabs? This is the guy. Yeah. I mean, Uh, he better get 60 grabs. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because I don't know who else we're throwing the ball to. I have it so. Is Quintus Cephas going to be like the number one? Well, I, I think he'll be. I think Tyrell Williams is going to be the number one, and I think that Perriman will play on the other side, and Cephas will play. He's a I think Cephas right? will be ahead of Perriman. No, Cephas is big. Guy. I thought he was like a possession guy. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, but I, I don't think you're throwing him in the slot a whole ton. I think he's a lot of like short slants and in out routes and things like that. Okay. So. Yeah, and I mean, Cephas was like okay last year, but do you see anything that last year that made you be like, oh yeah, this yeah. guy's gonna. Physicality, really? okay. yeah, he's, he's okay. he can move, he can do things. He's got the right body for it. Uh, good hands, not great. Um, and I think opportunity helps a ton. And what I'm happy is is that he's not going to get cut, and we're not going to have to watch another third or fourth round receiver that we would have hit on that we cut, and he went somewhere else and played well. So. I think we're excellent candidates to try something like that this year as well, bringing a third, fourth round receiver. I think there are a couple of oh, guys yeah. that are really looking solid. I hope we're bringing a first round wide that. receiver, but. I do not. I do not think that we can probably talk about that after. I do not want that though. Uh, yeah. So Tyra Williams is going to be probably either our one A or our one B. Probably. Uh, really good receiver, uh, sp- speed guy. Hopefully it works out. Next, Jamal Sorry. Williams. Uh, I uh, this is good. I'm going to be a little disappointed if he's taken away a lot of touches from either Swift or Carry On. More than likely, Carry On. Yeah. Um, but I mean, honestly, outside of pass blocking, carry on's got to earn his spot. So yeah. bringing in a guy like this, who is like, he's never going to be great, but he's always going to be at minimum. Okay. Um, and he knows your division rivals and he's just going to kind of go out there and get you a couple grabs, touch the ball a few times for a good amount of yards per, and just kind of do his thing. So I'm a big fan of this signing. I think he's better than Adrian Peterson. Um, yes. and I think he's going to fit in really, really well. I think that he'll be great for the role that we need him to be, which is like the guy who fills in for whichever of carry on and Swift are dinged up that week. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And not to mention, like, uh, like I said, they like carry on's got to earn it, man. We have yeah, for sure. outside of the first six games of his career. We haven't seen much. There hasn't been much. And it's a lot of it is lack of opportunity, I think. But there's got at a certain point, like if he's if. If uh, Jamal's taking carries away from him this year, then you got to sit there and go, well, maybe there's a reason for that lack of opportunity. Yeah, I think a lot of it is probably injury stuff or like like tweak, like nagging injury stuff. But because I, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I just think in, in the NFL, it's smart to just have three running backs. And that's the same thing that um, that they did in not San Diego, Los Angeles. When Anthony Lynn was there, they had like three running backs. So I think that I think that they're going to throw the ball to Swift a lot, and I, and I think it'll be Jamal Williams and Karrion Johnson doing the other stuff. That's my theory. Is this going to be a lot of Swift out of the backfield? Yeah. 
Uh, and the number one guy bringing in this offseason, Michael Brockers. I love it. You want to know what I don't love as much? I should say I love the trade. I don't love the contract as much. I don't love guaranteeing him almost $20 million. But the flip side of that coin, this is the best defensive tackle this team has had since Sue. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And all of a sudden, this defensive line could be good. If Okora can keep performing and Trey Flowers can be healthy with Brockers in the middle, uh, maybe you get a little bit of growth out of Deshaun Hand, um, see more of what you saw as rookie season. Uh, This D-line could all of a sudden flip a switch, especially under a new regime that's going to use them and say, oh, maybe we should hit the fucking quarterback. Um, Because if I know one thing about this regime already, it's that they are going to want to hit people hard. That yeah, is, yes. I have. That is going to be their whole thing. Is going to be their whole. Yes, hard. it's violence. It's impact. Yeah. It's action verbs. It's going to be. It, but so the yeah. So I agree with you that this is great. We gave up a seventh round pick to get this guy in twenty twenty three. A seventh rounder and yeah. So like that's nothing. That's a free. That's free. Yeah, it's uh, free. That is like point one instead of it costing zero, basically. Uh, so it's good. Like we really needed a guy like that. I think it helps us from having to address it in the draft which is nice because we have so many other things we're going to have to cover in the draft i feel like this year but not a whole lot of like not a whole lot of opportunity it's like we have 12 picks this year so no, the third round is going to be fun i love two third round picks i love it yeah i'm really excited so we're at so we're at about like 45 do you want to talk just like kind of holistically about the lions for a few minutes whoa yeah sorry uh yes yes let's let's do it for a few minutes yeah uh, what do you want the Lions to do with the first pick? Uh, Devontae Smith. Explain explain that to me why you want to go with an elite receiver with no quarterback like we did five years ago. Because you got a little bit of time. He, he's going to need a little bit of time to become elite because he's got to put on some muscle. But once he does, that guy is going to be a top three wide receiver in the NFL. Um, and here's my thing with that. I normally don't give a shit about top three wide receivers in the NFL because they don't win you Super Bowls, but I can't stop watching these guys' highlights. I can't do it. I can't get away from them. The way he runs, it looks like there is clouds carrying his feet. It doesn't make any sense. His strides are that of a gazelle. He is a freak of nature. He is Julio Jones mixed with Hussein Bolt mixed with Wes Welker. Like the route running, the hands and the speed are all there. I absolutely just the way this guy plays is different. I know he was in like the craziest offense in college football history where you literally couldn't have guarded me if you put me out there because like, you know, you got to pick somebody. But um, it just, man, he is so good. And if we don't, if we don't take him, give me Trey Lance. I'm I'm still very nervous about Trey Lance. Uh, if you go through the history of like first round of taking quarterbacks in the first round, and you've got like four or five of them in those years where it's three, four, five guys, you go one to twenty or whatever it ends up being. Like two or three of those guys don't work out. One of them is really good. One of them is like a Baker Mayfield level good starter, probably not a Pro Bowler. Uh, and I know you're like gambling on raw talent and the Jared Goff thing, like it makes sense that maybe this would be a guy who you could give a year plus to, to learn to play football at the NFL level. But there's just taking a receiver to me is like, if you're like a, like if you're, I need food like right now and you give me $10 and you say, go buy some food with this $10. And then I buy a car stereo for a car I don't own yet. Like it just, it doesn't, 
it just doesn't seem prudent to me. And I know you're supposed to go by like the best, most talented guy, but there's just too many problems. Like, yeah, but that's the thing. You want to know what you don't, you want to know what they don't do enough in the NFL. They don't draft quarterbacks based on pure talent. They draft quarterbacks based on size and look and pocket presence. So you want to know who would have went number one by pure talent? Patrick Mahomes. You want to know who would have went number one by pure talent? Aaron Rodgers. You want to know who would have went number one by pure talent? Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, uh, Josh Allen. Wow. You know, those those guys were underdrafted. What do you mean? They went in the same draft. Well, yeah, whatever. But you know what I'm saying? Like those yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. like they, Mitch Trubisky wouldn't have been picked ahead of them. Uh, sometimes you just got to go off that. Like you got to go off the guy who's got the arm, who can put the ball where they need to, when they need to. And Trey Lance is that guy. Obviously there's Trevor Lawrence, but Justin Fields is, is kind of in the middle of like really good talent, but there's also a lot of issues. And Zach Wilson is the prototype, the look, the arm slot, the, the footwork, um, but I want the guy who's going to get the ball where it needs to go when it needs to get there. And I don't care how he does it. Trey Lance is a little inaccurate. I mean, that's the big knock on him is that he has the strength, but the finesse like isn't quite there. And then there's the, the like this. That was a big knock on Patrick game. Mahomes. That was a sure, big knock on Josh like, Allen. Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen, especially, I think it just seems like with accuracy, either they figure it out or they don't. And way more often they don't than they do. And I would much rather take the best defensive That's a big knock on Matthew draft. Stafford. That was the big knock on Justin Herbert. It's the big knock on a lot of guys when they get taken. Like, Yeah, that's my point. You can fix accuracy. You can fix that. Accuracy gets fixed. That is, that is a little tweak here, a little tweak there, a little game experience. You got to learn. It's like your brain. It's like muscle memory for your brain with angles. That's pretty much all it is. Is This guy's going this way this fast. The ball needs to be here. Uh, I think so much of accuracy is muscle memory. I don't think a whole lot of it is just like, this is how I throw the ball. I, so, I mean, we start getting into the like sport science side of like, you know, wh- what about Jamarcus Russell, right? The ultimate, like, that's like off the field. Yeah, stuff. He's just a lazy uh, asshole. <laughs> just really likes drink, but there are way more quarterbacks who don't pan out than do. If but I just told I just told you eight of the top fifteen quarterbacks in the NFL who all had these same concerns and fell in the draft for the same reason. It's not you're never going to get a sure thing. So don't go with the boring guy. Go. You don't know what happens when you go with the boring guy. You know who you get. You know who on a good day that turns out to be Matt Ryan. You want to know what happens sure. when you pick Trey Lance? You get Russell Wilson. You get you get Josh Allen. You get Dak Prescott on a bad day. Like. The, the the ceiling is much higher with these guys. I don't you know you know who had a knock for his accuracy was Tim Tebow. Trey Lance doesn't throw the ball like it's a fucking shot put. Like, <laughs> <laughs> come on, you're one to my eight. Fine. So worst I, case scenario, you're telling me Trey Lance plays minor league baseball for a couple years. I'm cool with that. That would be funny. That would be funny. I'll have a list of quarter of quarterbacks with big arms who don't pan out. Is Mike Glennon, one of those. Like, I'm sure that there's, I'm sure that there's a lot. Yeah, he's like six five, dude. He's Mike, like, nobody ever thought Mike Glennon was going to be a star. The Bears, the entire Bears organization thought. No, he was a, yeah, that was everybody knew as soon as they made that signing. That was stupid. 
I mean, that's a professional scouting department, theoretically. Whatever, dude. You want to know what take... the Bears just? What did the Bears do? They signed Andy Dalton to be their quarterback. Oh so yeah, stop we should. It. They so just tweeted out before this a photo. This is QB one, and it had um, and it had it had Andy Dalton in a Bears jersey. And boy, I hope so. Uh, what uh, are realistic? I think that the Lions should take the best defensive player in the draft, and I think that's Mike. If Parsons. My, if if Mike Parsons is there, fine, let's go. But I think he'll be there. He's going. I see him going a lot lower. And the more you gain combine, off the draft, man. combine. Has he? I haven't seen. Has no, he done it a hasn't. No, no. But when he does, oh, get yeah. ready because he's going three or four. There's just um, he, when you see Brian Urlacher mixed with Ray Lewis physically, like you just got to take him early. So I think there's a chance that like. We might be looking at Mac Jones at seven as a quarterback. It certainly I, seems there's a lot of Carolina Panthers want to trade up to take a quarterback rumor. Mac and Jones, Mac Jones, is that guy I'm talking about, man, that guy, he's got, I the don't look, want he's got Mac the footwork. Jones. He's got the arm angle, but guess what? He's not going to be any good. It's okay. Be good, average. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's Mike Parsons for me. And then, uh, maybe Grissom, like, May I'd like to take a quarterback. I'd like to take a shot on it. And if Trey Lance is the guy who's there, then find that two were taken. I'm I, I don't know. <laughs> Trey Lance is like all of his footage is D two football. I have no idea how to like process that in my brain. Yeah, but well, Zach Wilson's playing stuff, for BYU. Like the like, yeah, but that's a big di- that's a that's a big difference. No, BYU you want to know is, what happens to BYU when they play Alabama? They lose sixty three to seven. You want to know what happens when a D two school plays Alabama? They lose seventy six to. Four, like I don't know, like the D two. Well, they get two safeties. Safeties, yeah. damn, that's yeah. pretty good. They hang their so, hats like, on that. Everybody sucks if you're not Alabama. So, like, who cares if you're not in the SEC or the Big Ten or the Pac twelve? You're like you suck. Okay, big arm quarterback who was never accurate enough. Ty Detmer. <laughs> sure, sure, man. Uh, I just think that the Lions should take should take Michael Parsons if he's there. Number one. Yes, I agree. Um, I agree. Actually, I just don't think. I think I'd rather there. take one of those crazy ass tackles before I take a receiver. I know that those guys are going to be good, but I, why are you going to take a tackle? It's a waste of a, I mean, eh, it, you know, it's, it's an unsexy pick. I try, I would trade down before I would take a receiver. Nah, not if it's Devonte Smith, how many games are realistic to expect the lions to win this year? What does the season look like to you? You want the ceiling or like what I think they'll win? What do you think they're going to win? I think they're going to win six games. Four. The schedule's okay. too hard for six, I think. It's going to oh, be yeah, the schedule's impossible. Uh, I think four with five. I guess six could be the ceiling, but yeah, I'd be shocked okay. if they get there. They'll be in, There's a good chance they're in contention for the number one overall pick. I really... So for me, a successful season is six wins and you win a bunch and you probably win in your, your in division games. And you're just, I just want to see a team that goes out there and is physical and competitive in every game. For me, a successful season is that your rookies look good and your coaching staff doesn't look like shit. That's, I don't care if they win one game. I don't care if they win 15, like you, if they win 15, that's successful season, no matter what, but uh, your rookies got to look good and your coaching staff has to look competent. Yeah. We're gonna need. I need. I really need to see. I really need to see the rookie class this year be solid. They yeah. really. I really need to give see. Give me a Sadiq cool Bay. There. Give me a Sadiq Bay. Give me an Isaiah Stewart. Give me those guys. Ah, uh, Isaiah Stewart. We don't have time to talk about how much you and I are both just absolutely infatuated with Isaiah Stewart. We'll still know. I saw him hit two threes in person. It was really cool. Okay, everybody. Thanks for listening to our show. We love you. We'll see you next week.